Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. And now, here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. Well, welcome to The Sweat Room, everybody. A podcast of sports and faith. Get it, got it, give it. We're so happy that you have joined us today. Just some, just a reminder, just to subscribe, rate, and review. I know for me, if I don't subscribe to my podcast, I'm not going to see it, and I'll just forget about it because I'm a forgetful person. So just just reminder for, for all of you, I encourage all of you to subscribe and rate and review for us. That would help us out a lot. Bjorn, you want to tell us a little what's going on today? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm so excited to uh, be here with another episode. I'm excited for uh, what we have in store for you guys today. And we have something very special. The first time we're doing this, we have a giveaway this week. Uh, Gary Okino, who will Let's be interviewing, go. interviewing today, he's going to be giving away 12 Pro V1 Titleist golf balls to one lucky winner. Uh, and so stay tuned to the end of the episode where you can find out how to enter your name into that giveaway and follow us on social media, Instagram, Watermark Sports, and Facebook, Watermark Sports. Uh, and then you'll stay tuned for everything that you need to know about this giveaway and everything else. And now here's our interview with Gary Okino. All right. Today we want to welcome to the sweat room, Gary Okino. Uh, Gary is the head golf professional at Orchard Park Country Club. Uh, he's a four-time Western New York section PGA award winner uh, for coaching and uh, things like that. And he's also a husband to his wife, Carrie, and the father of his son, Caleb, and his daughter, Charlotte. Welcome, Gary. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Gary, Absolutely. we're so excited to have you. So we, we got to start out with the, the opening question. Who's your favorite golfer? My favorite golfer? Uh, it's hard not to say Tiger Woods. Uh, I, I, I sometimes <laughs> wish I had a different answer from a faith perspective. I'd love to throw out like a Zach Johnson, you know, who's this really tremendous role model. Uh, but I, I have a particular appreciation for Tiger and what he's overcome and his resilience and, uh, and just how just incredible it is. He's really transcended the game in so many ways. And uh, especially he's made fitness uh, you know, he really brought fitness to the map for golfers mm. before it was like, like taboo to do anything with, uh, exercise and physical training, especially weights. And all of a sudden he took the game and approached it like he was an athlete, a real athlete, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. He did real weight training and, and he is extremely, uh, he really, he really changed the landscape for how golfers train. Um, but you know, he's just, He's like the Michael Jordan of golf. He's just really incredible, and he's a, a, a once-in-a-generation player. Sure. Mm. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I always love watching Tiger, and, and, you know, he's the one that I, I grew up watching when he was, you know, winning tournaments and everything. And, you know, it's great to see, you know, especially for us as Americans, to see a, you know, American golfer um, really do very well and succeed. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yes. I, another question for you is, have you ever yourself golfed with, with any big time golfers? <laughs> well, I'm trying to be a little humble, but uh, <laughs> I, I did, I did play with tiger when I was younger. Yes. And wow. uh, very cool. What, what was that like? Uh, he was already really well known. It was, he was kind of famous by the time he was about six or seven. Uh, he had already won a couple of the junior world tournaments and he already had more people following him than anybody else. And uh, 
I was, um, if, if I may share my story, because it tie, kind of ties in with the tiger experience. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, share your testimony you. and your story. I was I was blessed with talent that uh, it, it clearly came from God because I was too young to have that developed. I was five or six when I started playing, and I was I was pretty good. I was given a lot a lot of just uh, blessed talent, and 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 then I started to work at it. And and when I was seven and eight and eight years old, my parents would drop me off at the golf course uh, almost to a point of of obsession. Uh, and I practiced and practiced, and I chipped and putted, and uh, I guess it was my my version of the sweat room. You know, I I did put forth a lot of just straightforward, tireless, repetitive effort into being a, a better golfer. And so, by the time I was uh, eight or nine, I had won a, a, a local event, then a national event, and I had this wonderful opportunity to go to the Junior World Championships. And that was, uh, I believe, I was ten years old at the time, maybe eleven. And, um, and that was my first exposure to Tiger. And he was, he was, he was kind of like bigger than, than, than the scene, if you know what I mean, already. Yeah. You know, there are yeah. people following him, taking, taking pictures. And he already won this junior world three or four times. And uh, it, was, it was really cool. But, so don't I go out the first day and shoot a really good score? I shot under par. Now, the course, I'm, I'm 10 or 11 years old, and the course was short. It was not. Uh, it was what's called an executive course. So it was mostly par threes with some par fours. Well, I played like, you know, the round of my life and I had a really good short game and I shot under par. And as you might expect, that set the stage. Guess who I played with the next day? Uh, or right alongside, excuse me, one group away, Tiger Woods. So, wow. so here I am in the junior world tournament and there's Tiger. And he could hit the ball pretty far by that. He was already tall and lean and lanky and I was kind of short and I was, I was a short gamer. And uh, it was great. It was fabulous. Um, he was a little cranky at the time, you know. I, I think his temper started young, and his perfectionist tendencies started young. But uh, I held my own, and I actually uh, uh, ended up being uh, finishing higher than him for the tournament, which was is kind of my little little claim to fame. And then, um, and then in the years after, and, and then the next year, uh, we wound up playing in the same event. And he he definitely bested me. He was first, and I was like I was all, I was fifth both years. He was eleventh one year, which was incredible. Probably his worst finish ever in this event. You know, he was eleventh <laughs> one year, and then he won it for like the fifth time at, at the age of twelve. So, but I had the unique experience of finishing fifth both times, playing alongside him, um, and and you know being sort of interviewed by the press and all that. And and the reason I set that up is. Um, is because, you know, I started out with these really high expectations and this really great God-given ability, and I worked at it, don't get me wrong, but um, it, my story actually has, it was kind of like the, an early peak. And then uh, as I became uh, go, uh, older, uh, about 13, 14 years old, uh, I continued to receive instruction from the same instructor that helped me. The, the, the initial instructor was fabulous. He helped me so much, but he got new ideas on how to swing the club. And they were using video for the first time. I'm, I'm dating myself back to the eighties now, but uh, they were using <laughs> video for the first time and, and they didn't quite, you know, let's just say use it correctly. They didn't know what they were seeing. And there were some things on video that I guess you could say are optical illusions. And they thought people were doing a certain thing that they weren't. And so Unfortunately, I became a little bit of a of a sacrificial lamb on that uh, on that video part because, long story short, my game spiraled out of control. I I I started hitting the ball terribly. I got I didn't know where it was going, and I got a lot of mental anxiety. And I spent the next four or five years um, probably actually worse in results than I was uh, previously. 
So uh, the guys that I used to beat, you know, even in the local area were starting to beat me. And I had a really, really hard time um, in my individual identity. Uh, I had a hard time because I was known initially people would literally walk up to me, you know, at the country club and they'd say, Hey, what did you win lately? Uh, you know, and it was all results based and performance based. And I got to be known based on that. And my identity was based on winning. My identity was based on performance. Uh, who I was, was wrapped in that. And that's all I knew at the time. Hmm. And I had a really hard time for the next few years. And even into, through my college years, even though I got a little better again, I never reached that uh, relative peak again. I had a really hard time with who I was. And I was, I was very related to results and very related to performance. Um, so much so that, uh, you know, I just, I, I just, I just had, I guess I say a hard time. I'm not going to go as far as to say I reached, you know, a depression or anything like that, but I definitely didn't, it wasn't, I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I didn't know who I was. I didn't have any identity through any, any, uh, any spirituality that way. I wasn't saved yet. And so I really had a hard time for about, I'd say a good 10, 12, 15 years, uh, because that's how I was wired. And that's what I was wired to believe was success. Wow. Yeah, no, that's crazy. And, and that's a, you know, it's a, it's a crazy story of just, you know, you succeeding at such a, such a young age. And, and as you said it, you know, almost like hitting your peak there, um, as far as, you know, golf performance and all that. Um, so then sort of what, what changed, what changed as you, as you got older, um, as you start, you know, young adult years and through on there, like what, what changed for you? Well, I think, I think a few things. Firstly, I think God was working. I was saved at 29, uh, born again at 29. However, I think God was working. I, there's no, I think I know he was working through the whole process. He mm -hmm. put me through this journey. Uh, even before I, I, I knew him, he put me through this journey where, you know, my difficulty came. And then and what I decided to do from it, when I realized I wasn't going to be a player, you know, like a player on TV, uh, I, I knew I wanted to be a coach. He, I, I developed a coaching style that was completely unique to the rest of the industry at the time. And that coaching style was really about being whole-minded in coaching. It was about mm. teaching people how to uh, enjoy themselves. It was about teaching people how to uh, um, have con uh, resilience and, and these intangible skills such as resilience, emotional control, uh, mental control, um, and just really letting go and, and especially juniors. And it made me a whole-minded coach because I didn't want people to have to go through what I did. When I was in my teenage years, people, no one stopped me uh, or, and if, if they did try to stop me, I was probably too prideful anyway. But no one stopped me and said, hey, for what it's worth, maybe we should sit down and and ha look at your approach to the game. We should look at your approach to life a little bit. You know, we should talk a little bit about who you are, a little bit about, you know, stay keeping your temper down. I was temperamental. Um, a little bit about anger issues, things like that. No one really wanted to, you know, uh, approach that. It wasn't, it was, it was almost like it was taboo. Yeah, we'll just work on the swing and we'll, we'll talk about technical stuff because that's safe and that's what everybody else does. And, and, and then, you know, I realized uh, as I got older, I, I, you know, and I went through these experiences, people need help with their mind, their mental game, their, um, their emotions. They need to know, they need to have a safe place to talk. Um, you know, and, and I tried to make sure I kept it golf only uh, because I was still a young person. But at the same time, you know, I, I was able to really attract some, um, some of the better juniors in the area and some, some adults. And I really grew a nice 
was able to grow a nice teaching and coaching program from that because I was able to approach things from a more whole-minded state. Then I got into the fitness a little bit, and we added that, and it kind of really led to some some success and uh, some some um, uh, people, just whole-minded people, it attracted. If that makes sense. So I, that God was working the whole time is really what I'm trying to say here. He was working the whole time, and I didn't even know Him yet. And looking back on it, it was such a great blessing to go through this difficulty. And it was my my young person trial, as you will, because you know there have been trials since. But it was my young person trial, my young person uh, difficulty that really molded who I became, and then was able to spread. I would say a little more of a powerful message to people who needed it later in life. So uh, he was working when I didn't realize it. When I, when I, when I didn't feel like it, <laughs> it didn't feel like it. How are you using golf now? Uh, well, my role has changed a little bit. I'm now the head golf professional at the Orchard Park Country Club, whereas uh, up until two years ago, I was a director of instruction. So I did all teaching and coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm able to see, I, I, I've been, I've been uh, saved for 15 years and I'd like to think a little bit, uh, matured a little bit in my faith journey. Um, I, I, and, and now I try to see it as I now have an opportunity to work directly at some given point throughout, say, you know, a, a month or a period of time with three to 400 members uh, and there's and spouses and kids. So it could be up to five, 600 people throughout a period of time. I now have a chance, chance to, uh, if possible, be a witness to what the Lord can do and to try to show humility at all times, to try to serve with a servant's heart, uh, to try to just maybe be something or become or be something or show something a little different that might have someone scratch their head and say, what, what's that guy got? Uh, unfortunately, I, I sin with the best of them. And unfortunately, I, I mess up with the best of them. So I, I, I want to stay humble in these statements. However, I do know that I do have an opportunity here to maybe just maybe, you know, have someone look a little differently. And that's what I try to maybe bring into each day, uh, which is, it's difficult because you have to have your own, your own self humbled all the time and you have to really surrender and submit to get there. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that's that's so good to hear. And I, I love just hey, what you're saying about, you know, being able to see the Lord working throughout your whole life. And and I think um, that that's one thing that that is, is so clear to us now, you know, not like, you know, all three of us are, are saved and believers. And we can all see how even before we were saved, how God was really pursuing us and coming after us. And, you know, now that we're saved, we can see, you know, how he was working in those times and how some of the trials that we've gone through have really, you know, made us stronger and strengthen us to be the people we are today. Uh, so it's so good to, to hear that. Uh, and just how you've been able to, to take these life lessons and, and turn them for a positive and, and now give back, you know, now that you've, you've been in, the, now you're in a position where you can help others and, and maybe help them realize some of the things you realized growing up. So that, that's so, that's so encouraging to hear Gary. Thanks for sharing that. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You've talked about the the mental game of golf a little bit. Uh, Why would you say that that is so important? Uh, You've talked about how that's one of the, one of the aspects that you bring into teaching. Uh, Why is that so important in golf? Well, I'll first say that, you know, we use the term mental. That's actually kind of safe. It really is mental, emotional. We really need to put Mm. the two together. I don't probably advertise that at first, you know, especially, uh, gentlemen typically aren't really pumped initially to be hearing about the mental and emotional game. Uh, but you know, uh, it really, that's what we're looking to do. And, and, and it's so important because it, 
it sets the ability, you know, it, I'll just take any given golf shot or any given golf round, or really most things we do. There's preparation in how you set your mind and how you set your strategy. Then there's, then there's going through the actual act of playing or the golf shot. So, you know, the, liken that to playing the events, you know, or, or, or the game of any type. And then there's how you react at the end, whether it's one shot or whether it's all the shots. And you need to have all three. You need to have the before and after because they help you with the drink. So you're not going to be good over the golf ball or you're not going to have good results if you're not prepared for it. And you're also not going to have good results if you don't know how to react. Very simple, uh, very simple one for everybody out there. We try to get every student all the time on every, after every shot to use the phrase next shot. It's extremely powerful in life mm. and, in, and on the golf course because you have to be able to realize that firstly, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to shoot an 18 out there. Um, you're not going to knock every iron shot in the hole. You know, it's the, the ball's going to end up where you don't want it. And you have to say next shot. You have to do your best to reset and re-found yourself for that next shot. It's very similar to life. I can guarantee almost everyone that the next few hours, something's going to happen where whether you get cut off in traffic or somebody says something that maybe doesn't sit well with you or, I don't know, just circumstances of life will come up. You have two choices. You either, you know, get angry and, and ornery about it and, and take a victim mentality and, and shut yourself down for the next thing that may be coming, or you simply just say, okay, you know, that's what happened. I'm going to respond the best I can. I'm going to say next shot or at our, at our house, we say next chunk, like next chunk of time. And we, we, we move forward. Obviously, if something has to be addressed, we talk about it. But there we go. It's forgiveness. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's just forgiveness. And you move on and you, and you just reconnect. In the case of, of spiritual life, you reconnect to God and you say, what are you teaching me here? How can I learn? Okay, move on. In golf, you reconnect and you replan the next shot. You leave the last one behind. So that's just huge for people because then you're mitigating the damage. You know, if you have a bad shot that's like, say, in the trees or something, if you truly take a next shot mentality, you're not going to go in those trees and try to be a hero. You're going to play a nice, safe, you know, recovery shot, get the ball in play, maybe you make a par, maybe you make a bogey, uh, and you move on. And you just you mitigate the damage and you don't make it worse. So uh, mm -hmm. there's some, some wisdom there, hopefully, that helps in life, too. And I, every time I say these things, I want to make sure it's very well known. I need as much help as the next person on these things on and <laughs> off the golf course. It's easier said than done. We all have feelings. However, it's good to have a strategy. That's great. That's so good. So thank you. What, if you were to go back as a teenager, what would you say to yourself knowing what you know now? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, I don't have all day, so I'll, I'll try to condense this. Firstly, I would, I would get into a, a – I would, I, would, I would learn about self-love. Mm. I'd learn about self-love. Um, you know, whether that – at the time, I didn't know Jesus, so I, I really couldn't go there. But I'd at least learn about self-love and, and, and not be so darn hard on myself. I, I, I had great parents, but I realized that, you know, I put blame on myself and, and, and um, some shame even. And mm. I took – arguably, even if there is such a thing – too much responsibility to the point where I crossed the line and I was blaming myself for failures and I didn't see the bigger picture. Um, and I didn't, I, I just was way too hard on myself. So I would go back and say, play the game for fun, be a kid, have enjoyment, see it as a learning type experience all the time. 
um, play games against yourself, you know, compete against yourself, compete against the course, but just relax and don't be so hard on yourself. And who you are is not your golf score. I teach all the juniors that now, who you are is not your golf score. It's independent of what you shoot. Mm. And, and that's really probably, you know, a few of the things. That's so good. Yeah. Finding your identity in something, something bigger than just, you know, golf. And I think every athlete has, has struggled with that at one point or another. I know, you know, myself, I definitely have, um, Gary, I love hearing you talk about that, that next shot mentality and, you know, sort of controlling what you can control. And I've seen that as, as I've been coached in tennis, one of the sports that I've played, and it's a, a similar sport to golf as far as it's individual. Uh, and, and that's what my coach has told me, you know, when I was in college, he said, Hey, next, next shot, next shot, control what you can control. The only thing you control is what you do next. You can't control what's in the past. You can't control, you know, the outcome of the match from now, but you can control the next shot. And if you do that, the short term will then lead to a long term, uh, you know, success that you're looking for. Um, and I love that. And that's so applicable to life. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so as a coach and a parent now, but is there anything that you would say to current parents of young athletes? <laughs> um, well, first thing I would say to anybody in any situation is be humble first, because mm. sports has a way of <laughs> sports has a way of exposing you and, and golf especially will expose you and you're going to have difficulties and they're not going to feel good. So stay humble whether you are at the peak of your game or you are not, stay humble. For parents, I, my best advice is unconditional love. I try to have as close to zero attachment as possible to what that child in golf shoots or how many points they score or goals. Always focus on the positives and just love. And, and one of the things that I think people don't realize is Sometimes they're being judgmental, even by being, being positive. And I don't mean like by saying, hey, nice effort out there. I'm saying, well, you scored three goals. That's a great game. The child learns to attach them, him or herself to the result. So mm. you know, even if that child is producing, yeah, it's okay to mention that. But don't, you know, I, <laughs> I find it funny saying this. I don't eat ice cream and I'm not a big fan of it. But take them for ice cream no matter what. You know, whether, whether there's one goal or no goals or whether they, they sat on the bench that game or not, take them no matter what, love them unconditionally, absolutely get focused on the process of improvement, have fun, and if more comes out of it, fabulous. But don't break those rules. And that includes your body language on the sidelines. You know, don't cross your arms or make faces or anything. Just keep the same demeanor all the time. Smile all the time. You know, you don't even have to encourage your child in an in a, in a, in a on-the-field way. They already have enough motivation. Just be there, be supportive, love them, you know, be there to catch them when they fall, support, love, and encourage, but don't do too much, you know, unless they ask. And then and if they do ask, find a professional. Your job is to love. Your job is to be a support system and, and try to do that as fully, completely as you can. But the secret is you got to be developed yourself to do that. It's easy to say that, but you have to be humble yourself. You have to be, you know, <laughs> calm yourself. You have to get with the Lord and figure out where your heart issues are too and make sure you're not you know, living vicariously through that, that, that child playing. There's a lot you have to do on your own and just stay in your own little box and pay attention to that because the kid doesn't need anything else. Yeah, sure. That's so good. Well, Gary, thank you so much for today. As we close up, do you have any just 
last remarks or just final thoughts for, for us and for just people listening? Sure, I do. And it, it just applies to me personally in life. And I think it, it applies to everybody. Change is, it can be difficult, but it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's, it's God talking to you and saying, hey, stop doing that. Or whether it's, you know, the talking you'd have with yourself, stop doing that. Whatever it is, self-improvement, we call it. You know, it's really not self-improvement because I think that's what the world wants to call it. But submitting to the Lord and surrendering to the Lord and, and allowing yourself to change in your heart, it doesn't feel good. And it's humbling and it's hard. And your spirit's going to fight it a lot of times. And, and, I, and, and I just encourage everybody to remember what Paul said about dying daily. You got to die daily. You got to be humble daily. You got to be selfless daily. You got to serve daily. You got to die of yourself. Get rid of your selfishness daily. And I'm, I'm the first guy to stand up and say, if I don't die for a day or two like that, I get all, all messed up. So my mm. message is to everybody, my encouragement is to everybody is, and you know what? You can, people that know me or don't know me, feel free to text me, email me, you know, call me on the phone, whatever, and say, hey, did you die today? Are you serving? Are you selfless? Because I need to hear it as much as the next person. But that's really my encouragement is just remember that, you know, we need to stay humble. We need to know that the Lord's in charge and we need to submit. We need to surrender, whether it's during COVID-19 or whether it's, you know, watching a sporting event or whatever it is, just, you know, die of yourself and give yourself to the Lord. And, and, and that's my personal advice to myself as well as to, to everyone out there. Hmm. That's a good word, Gary. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure to, you know, talk to you, hear some of your story and hear some of the wisdom that you've gained throughout the many years that you've been involved with with sports and golf specifically. So thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Well, thank you, Gary, for joining the podcast today. It, you were, it was great just to talk with you. Bjorn and I had a great time. Bjorn, what were your, just some of your takeaways from this? Yeah, there's so many takeaways. Um, I don't even know where to start, but I think the the biggest thing, uh, the takeaway that I had was when he was talking about what he tells his kids and at their house saying, you know, next chunk, next chunk of time and, and what he tells his golfers when he's coaching them, like, you know, next shot. And, and I just love that principle that in life, you know, we can control what we can control and we can control the next thing. We can't control our future five years down the line, 10 years down the line. I can't control, you know, all of that, but I can control how I treat people today. I can control my attitude during that next chunk of time. And I think that's just so powerful and has a real, you know, real potential to, to change people's perspective. So that was definitely one of my biggest takeaways. What about you, Noah? I I think what I really took away at the end was he's humble. Mm. Sports, especially golf exposes you. And I'd argue life. Yeah. You're not, if you're not consistent and aware of your actions and your attitude towards things, it's, and especially in a time right now where there's so much disagreement and anger and rage, it's so easy just to flare up and get so upset. I just love that, you know, because there's the hard times shows true character. Mm. And that's definitely relevant now. So I, that was, I think that was my favorite takeaway from that. And yeah, absolutely. Just to die daily. And I, mm. because all of us are selfish people. I know that because I'm a selfish person. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's very easy to just to get, up, get caught up in yourself. So Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the message he had for everyone involved is that, you know, who you are is not your golf score. Now that may be specific to golfers out there. And, you know, I, myself, I'm not a great golfer. I love to golf, but I'm not great, but there's so many people that don't golf, but 
but it's the same thing as who you are is not what you do. It, you know, if you are a teacher, you know, who you are is not your teaching. It's not how good you are at that. Mm. Who you are is not your performance in, in what you do, whether it's the classroom or sports or, or wherever. And so that's just such so powerful that, you know, I am not my work. I am not, you know, these things that I do. I am Bjorn Webb. I am loved by a creator. And, and that is who I am. I am his, I am his, his son. Uh, right. And that is something that is just so powerful. And I loved how he related that to sports and how he teaches that, that there's something bigger than what you do. It's, it's, it's who you are. And if I were to summarize this in two words, it'd be next shot. Mm. It's great or whether it's terrible, you know, next shot, move on to the next thing, you know? Amen. Love that. So Bjorn, you want to tell us a little about this giveaway that we got going on? Yeah, absolutely. So we're giving away 12 Pro V1 golf balls to Let's one go. lucky winner. And to enter the giveaway, if you share our Facebook post from Monday, June 8th, and use the hashtag, hashtag the sweat room, you'll earn one entry. Uh, if you also share our Instagram post to your story, then you'll earn another entry. So you can earn two entries to our giveaway by simply sharing our Facebook post and sharing our Instagram post to your story. Now, the is it will... hashtag the sweat room or hashtag sweat room? It is hashtag the sweat room. Like the so, Ohio State. Hashtag like the, the sweat Ohio... room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we are the sweat room. <laughs> and so we will be announcing the winner uh, via Instagram and Facebook on Monday, June 15th. Uh, via Facebook and Instagram. So make sure to follow us on Instagram at Watermark Sports and join our Facebook group, Watermark Sports. And uh, we'll make sure to message the winner directly and we'll go from there. So best of luck to all of you. Invite your friends and enter this giveaway. Noah, could you please introduce who we will be interviewing next week? Yes, I am so excited to for our interview with Robbie Raw next week, Buffalo extraordinaire, health and fitness coach, author, all the above in the health, fitness, nutrition world. Here's a little of our snippet with Robbie Raw. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I mean, I, I truly believe that God knows the day and the hour. We know that, right? But mm. when people say to me, well, then Robbie, I, I, I should just eat donuts and not exercise. So I'm going to go when I'm going to go. And I say, yeah, but here's the thing. You can live a long life and suffer, or you can live that abundant life that God desires for us so that we can shine for him, so he could be a light for him, so he can work through us. And uh, so then, uh, that's, really, that's really my motivation. Thank you for listening to The Sweat Room, where we get it, got it, give it. Thanks for listening to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesley and Church. 